you have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. This sermon was from March 6, 2022. The opening scripture was read by Andrew Berdan, and the sermon text was Philippians 1, 12-20. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others speak about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. So Joel started our series on Philippians last week. And so we're going to continue, of course, as we do. We're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 20, as Andrew has read for us. But I thought before I, before I get to that point, I actually want to go and sort of start with a parable that Jesus told from Matthew 13, verses 45 and 46. Jesus, Jesus said again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now, Joel talked about this on Tuesday morning at our men's Bible study. And periodically, when that comes up, I make another advertisement. Men, if it's all possible, move heaven and earth to get there. If you have to leave early to get to work at 7, like some people do, that is fine. It's, it's, it is done. So it is, it is worth changing your life around to get there. But... That's not really the main point. The point is that Joel talked about this, and it's been on my mind pretty much ever since then. And I think that if we start looking at this passage in Philippians with Jesus' words and his picture in our minds, it might give us some insight as to what Paul is saying when he's writing. Now, I, of course, know absolutely nothing about pearls. If you gave me a fake pearl and a real pearl and told me to tell the difference, I probably couldn't. If you handed me a pearl worth $5 and told me that it was actually worth $5,000, I wouldn't know that you were pulling my leg. So I don't know anything about pearls. I don't care about them. But this week I got thinking there's probably one thing that might make me interested in pearls, or at least in an individual one. So imagine that something like this parable took place. There was a guy out there. 
He was at a pearl market somewhere. He saw a pearl. He picked it up. He looked at it. He pulls out his phone and he calls his accountant and says, start selling stuff. I need to buy this. And then he talks to his accountant again, well, sell the house, sell my car, sell everything. I need to buy this pearl. If I met this guy a little bit later, I'd want to know about this pearl. What made it so special to him? Why was he willing to sell everything in order to buy this pearl? What made this pearl different than any other pearl? How is it different than a marble that I could buy for a lot less than that? So I wouldn't care about a pearl in its own right, but because this guy really, really valued it, because he made a big sacrifice in his life to acquire it, suddenly I would be interested in it. Because, see, our actions show what matters to us. And when something matters to us that we do something kind of unusual in the minds of the people around us, that's when people start watching us. It captures their interest. And they say, why is that thing worth so much to that person? I was thinking we see this on the news about Ukraine. I don't know what to say about that. We're going to pray about that during our prayer time. But um, I, it makes me ask a lot of questions about why God allows things he allows. But that is not the sermon for today. But as I was thinking about the Ukraine situation, I read some stories of people who lived, well, one man lived in London as a truck driver. And when this stuff started happening, he parked his truck and he started heading east trying to get home because he said, that's where I need to be. My country needs me. When I, when I heard him say that, or read his words rather, I don't think I actually heard him say that on the recording, um, it kind of stirred my heart in a way because this showed, his actions showed what mattered to him. And it made me more drawn to these events. So when people make a sacrifice for something, when something matters enough to shake up their lives, that's when we begin to look, we see what matters to them, and it sparks some curiosity, some interest. So keep these pictures in your mind as we look at our passage for today. I think they're kind of relevant. Um, we're in the book of Philippians, as we've said. It's a letter that Paul wrote. Paul was writing this, and he was sitting in prison, probably in Rome, as far as we know. It's a, it's a little uncertain there, probably the year 61. But again, people will argue a little bit about what prison he was in or what year it was. He was writing this to a church that he had helped plant roughly 10 years before, if indeed it was 61 and he was in Rome. And like any good missionary, he was wanting to make his report about, at least I'm assuming he would want to give a report about the number of churches that he'd planted and the number of meetings he'd held and the number of revival services that had taken place. And yet here was Paul writing his his letter home of reporting on his ministry, and he had this problem. He's sitting in jail. Now, it seems like over Paul's life, he was in jail several times, sometimes more of maybe your stereotypical dungeon. This was probably more of a house arrest kind of situation. I'm not exactly sure, but he could write letters. He apparently could get some visitors. He could communicate with people, but he couldn't do the kind of things that he would normally expect to do if he was a missionary. So he's writing this letter, and he says, don't worry about the fact that I'm in prison, because I'm still able to preach about Jesus. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news, for everyone here, including the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So Paul is not only able to talk, 
But I'm assuming the people around him were actually interested in hearing because they knew that he was in prison because of what he believed, because he was a follower of this guy named Jesus. And when you see somebody sitting in prison for a particular reason like that, you're going to start to say, well, why does he think this is so important? What does it matter to him this much? What does he think? I mean, think about that pearl again. I don't care about pearls, but if a man sold everything for the sake of an individual pearl, suddenly I'd want to know what made that pearl different. So in Paul's case, everybody around him, I'm guessing, the guards were wondering, what in the world is this guy facing death for, possibly for the sake of of his beliefs? What does he think? So I would say on one level, the guards had no interest in what happened 30 years before, far away in Jerusalem when this man was executed by the Romans. But, But this man mattered to Paul. And so that made them curious. And so Paul tells them. Paul's actions showed what mattered to him. The people were then interested in listening. And Paul was able to share the news of Jesus with the people around him. But even though it's really beautiful that Paul was still able to be a missionary while he's sitting in prison, it's actually a lot more beautiful than that because he says that Paul's boldness for Jesus, his willingness to to be in prison for the sake of Jesus, that actually inspired others to speak with greater boldness as well. Verses 14 to 15. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. So because Paul was in prison, people around him had confidence and boldness as they watched him model what it meant to follow Jesus, and they were encouraged to be faithful and to preach as well. Again, I was thinking about some of those people in in Ukraine who had left something good and easy and safe and comfortable to head back to their homeland, and I thought, as people watch that, others are going to be inspired to do the same thing. So that's kind of a picture of what Paul was doing. Here he was sitting in prison for Jesus, and the other Jesus followers are saying, okay, If that matters enough to him to risk that, then I need to speak too. But you notice there was something else going on. Paul says something interesting that he elaborates in 16 and 17. He says, they, the ones who preach with pure motives, they preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. So I think I get this this idea of the ones who are preaching with good motives. You see Paul sitting in prison for the sake of Jesus. That gives you some encouragement, some boldness, some realization of how much this matters. You love Paul, so you want to continue the work that he has set out to do. You want to carry it on in his behalf. All that makes sense to me. It's these other ones who are preaching, not just for bad motives. That makes sense. I mean, I'm not saying it's good, but I'm familiar with it. But Paul says some of them were preaching, intending to make his chains more painful to him. That's the one that kind of makes me scratch my head. Now, several commentaries noted something. Paul does not criticize their message. So I think it's reasonably safe to assume that they must have been fairly accurate in their doctrine, in their teachings. Paul is not correcting them. But somehow what they were doing was designed to hurt Paul. So this is a guess. This is a guess based on my knowledge of human nature and an assumption people haven't changed. But it is only a guess. 
But I can imagine that people began to question Paul's um, Paul's story about being an apostle, about being chosen by God. I could imagine a preacher saying, you know, he says he's an apostle. He says that he's been chosen by God to be the instrument to the Gentiles. So then why does God have him in prison? Probably Paul really messed up somewhere. Probably Paul wasn't quite doing what he should have been doing. And God had to get him out of the way so that people like me can keep preaching. And by the way, give big on the offering plate on Sunday. I don't know what they were saying, but somehow they were saying something that was causing hurt to Paul, even though in his, the core of their message about Jesus must have been accurate. But what's really cool is that Paul didn't seem to care. I'm not saying he was thrilled by this, but he didn't seem to care. Well, he, he put his own words down. He says, but that doesn't matter. Whether the motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. So there's, I see a lot of humility here, it seems like. So Paul is in a, Paul's in a place where he could easily have been angry with God. At least I could imagine getting upset with God. You gave me a job to do, and then you lock me up. You give me a passion for telling people about Jesus, and then you give me just a few soldiers around me that I can preach to. And all those people out there, they're saying things about me that are hurtful and painful, and I don't like it. But Paul, Paul could get angry with people, he could get angry with God, and instead he is just filled with joy that the message of Jesus is being preached. And then he says he rejoices for another reason. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. I was th- when I was reading this, the sort of the very first time going through it, what popped into my mind was an assumption that he was going to get out and be safe. But, but then we keep reading, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. So not only was Paul content to be in prison, and to watch from a distance as the work was done that he would have loved to be a more big part of. But Paul was con- content to die for Jesus if that's what Jesus wanted, and that somehow brought honor to Jesus. That's more next week's passage. It goes on and talks about that. But what does this all mean for us today? I think I want to focus on the idea that, that Paul cared about spreading the news of Jesus, and he cared about this enough to make a huge sacrifice, to accept a tremendous amount of pain in his life. So those sacrifices that Paul made, they showed what mattered to him and how much it mattered to him, but these sacrifices also caught people's attention. I think they were listening when they might not have been before, and some other people were inspired to go preach on their own when they might not have had that boldness to do it before. So Paul's passion and Paul's sacrifice showed what mattered to him, and it inspired others, and it piqued the curiosity of even more. Think again about those pearls. I don't care about pearls, but if a man sold everything he owned to buy one, I'd suddenly be interested in hearing his story about that one. What made that one special? So, so words, words are cheap, but our actions show what really matters to us, and our actions spark interest in people. So I encourage you today, ask yourself, what, what really matters to you? 
Don't, not what do you say matters to you, but, but what do people watching you see? Based on what you actually do, the way you live your life, what truly matters to you? So your children, whether they're still at home or whether they're grown, they probably know you. What do they see? Where are your greatest sacrifices that they see? Where would they sense then is your greatest focus, your greatest passion, your, your greatest attention in life? And that's probably going to show them what matters to you, and that's going to inspire them, or not, as the case may be. So I thought about, what about the people that you work with? Or what about the people you work for? Or the people who work for you? About your friends? Don't think about your words for a moment, but think about your actions. What do these people see as you conduct your life each day? What will they see that matters most to you? Is there anything for which you have sacrificed everything? And if so, what, what was it? And if not, what does that mean? So Paul's actions made it very clear what mattered most to him. Now, I think it's, it's important to sort of acknowledge there's a little bit of tension and difficulty here. Sometimes people are thrown in jail for following Jesus, and in that moment when they have this choice, it's very public, it's very obvious, and it's a very discreet and concrete choice. I either stay with Jesus and go to jail, or I turn away from Jesus and I have freedom. But, but a lot of people never have to make that choice. And sometimes God asks us to go to Colombia to be missionaries and Bible translators. And when a couple does that, we can see how they left family, they left friends, they left their country to go. We can see the sacrifices. We know what matters to them. But, but God does not ask everybody to go to Colombia. So I do think it is really important to reflect on our own lives and to ask, what do our actions show? What sacrifices have I made, and where do those sacrifices point as the things that really matter to me? But not every Christian is going to be asked to make a really visible and really public choice in the same way that Paul did or in the same way that some others do. So you certainly don't have to go to jail in order to be a good follower of Jesus. You don't have to get burned at the stake to be faithful to Jesus. You don't have to leave your country and travel far away to be faithful to Jesus. Of course not. But I think it's still fair to say that somebody watching you should see evidence of what really matters in your life. And as a follower of Jesus, that should be him. We go back to, back to the parable I opened with. Jesus himself said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So Jesus suggests in, in this parable and some others that are right around it, and then actually pretty much universally, he suggests that the kingdom of heaven is costly. But he also says it's completely worth the price. I got to sort of pondering this week, and I thought, you know, if Jesus was going to summarize my life with this kind of parable, it'd probably go something like this. For Jeremy, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he did some fast calculations, and he realized it would cost him everything he owned to buy it. 
So he decided he'd be satisfied with a smaller one. And I wonder, what's the truth for you if Jesus told you your parable? So I'm going to close with prayer like we always do. I'll leave a little silence just to listen. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what maybe would be your parable. And I don't say this intending to criticize you or me or anybody else because I was reminded very strongly that our stories are not over. They're not done. So listen to God tell you your story up to today and then what's tomorrow, the day next and beyond. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from March 6th, 2022. The passage was from Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 to 20. Take care.